welcome to Raven Conversations, the show where we bring you the news and information around the Washington National Guard. I'm Sarah Morris, and on today's episode, Jason and I sit down with Lieutenant Colonel Josh Barrow and Command Sergeant Major Kelly Wickle, the command team of the 898 Brigade Engineer Battalion. In this episode, we talk about what the battalion is, how their mission supports the brigade, and their vision for the future. And get ready, because it's more than just engineers. Enjoy! Be sure to follow us on social media. Stay up to date on all the cool events, stories, photos, and videos happening around the Washington National Guard. If you have a question, have a comment, or just want to say hi, send us a DM, PM, tweet at us, whatever, and we'll answer you. We also love to share and collaborate. Send us the photos or videos you take at Drill or AT, and we'll tag you. Are you an active Instagrammer? Well, you might be a perfect candidate to take over our account. Send us a message, and we'll set something up. To find us, do a search for WA National Guard. That's WA National Guard, and look for the blue check mark. Okay, so today we are sitting with the 898 Brigade Engineer Battalion, and Jason is here. Hi. Hi, and then we also have uh, Lieutenant Colonel Josh Barrow on the phone, the commander, and Sergeant Major Kelly Wickle sitting here with us. Hello. And sir, if you would just give us a brief introduction. Sure, I'm uh, Lieutenant Colonel Josh Barrow. I have... uh been in the Washington Army National Guard since uh, 2006. Uh, prior to that, I spent two years in the Florida Army National Guard, and prior to that, I was on active duty for four years. So, doing the math, I've been in for over 20 years, and uh, both on active duty and National Guard. And I've been an engineer um, officer, and I'm also infantry qualified officer as well as I went to the infantry captain's career course. Um, just kind of a high level bio, I spent four years at active duty at Fort Lewis, Washington at the time, which is now called Joint Base Lewis McCord, as everyone knows. And I was a sapper platoon leader there after ranger school. And after that, I was also an executive officer. And then I spent some time in uh, on the job training with first special forces group. And I spent two years with 20th Special Forces Group in Florida before returning back to the state of Washington uh, for my civilian job and and then joined back to the Engineer Corps um, as a company commander, uh, battalion uh, office staff officer, special operations detachment commander, battalion executive officer, and now battalion commander of the 898 out of the 81st Strike Brigade. So that's kind of a high level of my, my uh, military background. And then what do you do on the civilian side? So I'm a chief operating officer for an automotive services company called Drive Shop. And Drive Shop is a business that's been around for about 30 years with the same uh, original owner. And essentially Drive Shop manages uh, fleet services and media management services. So when you read a, an article, whether it's in a newspaper, for those that still read newspapers, or online, or a magazine, or even YouTube reviews and social media uh, placements. Typically, Drive Shop is one of the companies that provided that logistics to the media uh, to to conduct that review and publish and, and publish that material on their respective uh, into, into their respective publication. So it's a it's a national service and uh, offices in every major metro, and we do everything from 
big uh, marketing, uh, big marketing events turnkey where we're doing, we're building a, a course and doing a ride and drive with consumers or media members to just detailing cars. So we do, we run the gamut, and uh, but the core of the business is really around the, the press fleet and and the, the relationship with the media and, uh, and clients to help sell new cars. That's ultimately our job and goal, the value add that we provide to uh, to OEMs. And when I say OEMs, I talk about original equipment manufacturers, essentially brands uh, in the automotive industry, everything, we do everything from Mitsubishi to Maserati. So. Uh, we manage fleets nationwide for uh, for clients. So that is my that is my civilian job. I've been there, been in this role as chief operating officer for two years, over three years now, and uh, and I'm enjoying it. It's going to be part of a kind of cutting edge. Um, it's a challenging time right now, obviously with the with the pandemic. But that is my civilian job. Awesome. Nice. Hey, sir. This is Jason. I'm a, a coworker of Sarah's. Um, I also work work in the PA shop uh, here in Camp Murray as well. Um, that sounds like an interesting job. I mean, I, I bet the uh, military, you know, how uh, National Guard and how it can be demanding on your civilian job. Um, they've been pretty uh, supportive of your military career and everything. Jason, you bring up a really good point. It's it <laughs> is a very difficult balance at times. Um, I. You know, I've, I have a wife, uh, I have three, three children of a family, and, uh, you know, and I'm also in a, in a pretty high role, at, you know, in the civilian side along with the military side. And when the, when the civilian job picks up and the military, military picks up, that's when I have some challenges in the balancing area, but I always figure out a way. Thank goodness I have a really good relationship with my wife and our family and balancing that out. Um, but also, my, my civilian employer, the owner of the company that I mentioned earlier for this business has been around for over 30 years, um, I actually awarded them with the Patriot Award. Um, oh, that's last awesome. Last year was uh, another high-op tempo year for the National Guard, where we were obviously training to get ready for a National Training Center rotation down at uh, the National Training Center at Fort Irwin, California. And they worked with me quite a bit. I had to, I had to go down to California for uh, a week and a half. We had a pretty intensive annual training last summer called uh, XETC, which is essentially a training evaluation preparing for the National Training Center. Long drills, you know, emails, phone calls daily as a battalion commander, and they really worked with me. And uh, I think the value I bring from my military experience to the drive shop business, they get a big value out of me there. And then uh, also the best practices I learned on the civilian side of bringing the military, I believe you know, my chain of command feels they get value out of that as well. And I can relate a lot to your average soldier with most of our force being M day and having a job or going through college and doing having the same struggles that I do at times with, with balancing out the military career with the civilian career. And and so I ultimately uh, I awarded them with a Patriot Award because they do work with me quite a bit. That's awesome. And I, yeah, I'm gonna say I was gonna say ironically enough, you know, up to date here, I'm gonna help support Task Force Kokanee with the with the COVID tracing mission. And I met with the owner yesterday and he supports me going out to support that important mission for the state. Wow. And and so uh, so I'll be taking a little bit of time off for my civilian job to go support there as well. Yeah, yeah that's <laughs> definitely something that a lot of us in the Guard can relate to is just the balancing act of civilian and military. So that's really good to hear. That's awesome. Appreciate it. Yeah, there. And we can talk a little bit more about, about the balances and about some of those best practices I was referring to. And... 
I really feel like there are there are definitely some management techniques on the on the business side that relate very very well to the military side and vice versa. It's definitely it's definitely not the same, but there are for sure some best practices that, from both sides that you can bring to the table. That might be another uh, like uh, episode that we can talk about. There's been lots of books written about that, and I could probably talk about that for quite a while. So, well, uh, I'll let Sergeant Major give an introduction now too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Awesome. So, um, Sergeant Major, your introduction, please. Uh, hello, everyone. Uh, it's uh, it's tough to follow uh, follow the boss there. Um, <laughs> just a little bit about me. Uh, uh, Command Sergeant Major Kelly Wickle, uh, the senior enlisted advisor uh, with the 898, uh, working with uh, Colonel Barrow. I've uh, been in the military for 20-something years. Uh, came into the uh, military active duty, went to basic training in 93. I've uh, been a combat engineer my whole career, um, moved through the, the, the ranks as a, a junior enlisted team leader to squad leader, uh, platoon sergeant, uh, fortunate to be a first sergeant, uh, and then selected for the, the, the final chapter to be a CSM, uh, commence our major for an engineer battalion. So uh, as far as the enlisted side of the house, I've done pretty much every engineer, combat engineer job. Uh, that the military's provided, uh, came in as active duty, uh, spent some time in Germany, uh, so that was that was pretty awesome to have that experience. Uh, had a couple mobilizations, uh, had some good field time there, uh, to include a lot of our home homeland response, uh, a lot of the domestic ops with our National Guard, from fires to floods to uh, currently I'm employed with the 10th HERF Homeland Response Force as the senior listed there. Uh, which has given me a lot of opportunity to, to see a lot of the civilian side of the house, uh, helping out with the, uh, the local communities, uh, the state emergency, uh, state EOC. Um, married, uh, three kids, two grandsons. Um, my life's pretty much uh, wrapped around the military at this point. <laughs> <laughs> so then you did all at, at Fort Leonard Wood? Yes. Okay. Oh yeah, I remember that. Well, yeah. so <laughs> I my I'm in the reserve, but my previous job to the one I have right now is uh, was with the 102nd Training Division, which is the Reserve Components um, Maneuver Support uh, Training Division. And so I was at Fort <laughs> Leonard Wood for almost three years, and I got to Beautiful experience place. all kinds of super <laughs> fun engineer things. <laughs> I got to drive a boat a bridge erection boat, which was super fun, and I got to blow some stuff up and then, you know, also see, like, the heavy equipment, and mm -hmm. that's uh, maybe a little less exciting. <laughs> <laughs> Not very sexy, but <laughs> it's, it's a good experience. Yeah, awesome. Okay, uh, so I guess we'll start off with the basics of what is, <laughs> what does the 898 Brigade Engineer Battalion do? Well, let me, let me uh, take you on a little little path in history here. Um, I'd say about right around the year late 90s, early 2000s, um, General Shinseki, uh, a U.S. Army general, uh, made, decided to make, at the time, a controversial plan to make, uh, essentially make a medium-class armored vehicle to, uh, quickly deployable. I think best practices learned over the 70s, 80s, and 90s with, uh, you know, the first Iraq uh, Desert Storm, uh, and just learning throughout that decade of looking internationally, there was there was an idea and concept around kind of this, this medium-class armored vehicle 
that would be a bridge between a light force and a heavy force to essentially rapidly deploy anywhere anywhere in the world, depending on what like what contingency it might be. So at the time, you know, all the light fighters were like, I don't want to ride in a in an armored vehicle, and all the uh, everyone in tanks. Bradley's was like, I don't want to ride in a wheeled vehicle because I have a track vehicle. It gets me around just fine. It's, it's heavily protected. So at the time, uh, they took two brigades. One was a light brigade and one was a heavy brigade, an infantry brigade. Uh, for these brigade combat teams, they turned them into what they call a striker brigade. Now back then, I, that was this was all this was all Josh, brand new second lieutenant, walking right into this coming out of uh, ROTC, but. Really, we were at the strategic tip of what was going on in this major transition in the military at the time. And, and as 9-11 occurred and then, you know, the Iraq war occurred, there was really a heavy press to get these mobilized, deployed, or ready, trained, mobilized, ready to go. So what do, you, what do engineers have to do with this, right? Engineers at the time, early on in the strike brigades, were just, were just a, a separate company. They were out on their own, reported directly to brigade. But I think the learnings over the, over, the, over the decades of, not decades, of what's happening overseas was we need more engineers. Engineers are very diverse, like Sarah, like you mentioned earlier, all the things you did at Fort Leonard would. Engineers do mobility, counter-mobility, survival, survivability. We build things horizontally, we build things vertically. We do floating bridge platoons. I mean, we do topographic map work. We do we do a lot and, and then some. So uh, there was a realization along the way that there needs to be a battalion in this brigade, at least this, at least with engineer and name, that can handle both the breadth and depth of the engineer mission, but also continually support the 80th, the, you know, the striker for the striker brigade. Ours in this case is the 81st striker brigade. So the concept grew to have a what's called a BEB. So it's a Brigade Engineer Battalion, which previously on the heavy armored side would be a BTSB. It's more like a support battalion or, a, or kind of like a special, special troops battalion. But they want to really hone in, uh, essentially focus it in on, on an engineer specific because that really allowed us to continue to have that value add, mobility, counter mobility, survivability that we could really take into supporting the brigade in their mission set. So, so what does a what does a, a BEV do on the when, when a BEV is in operations, right? We really have three things that we that we really do. One, the, the, the you know the word is in the name of the acronym BEV. It's engineer. So we provide engineer guidance, consulting, advising to the brigade commander on how to best employ and his staff, of course, on how to best employ engineers in the fight so that could be taking a, a platoon here and putting it over with this maneuver element or taking a the company here and supporting this maneuver element over here so it really is where can we take our assets and really best align them to to support the mission and that's 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 really uh that's really our one of the three things that we do in operations as a bab and our staff, most of our staff are engineer qualified uh, lieutenants uh, in terms of the officer side. Most are very seasoned NCOs on the battalion staff that are engineer uh, oriented. So that, that's really where our bread and butter is to, to really advise and support the brigade in, in the brigade's mission. Um, the other thing we do 
I guess would be the second option. The second item is we provide rear area security operations. So when we push out our engineers to whatever maneuver element they're supporting in terms of mobility and counter mobility, and I'll talk about that in a minute. minute. But when we push them out to go support uh, the maneuver elements, we still have a significant amount of, of staff and personnel that we use to support the, the fight in terms of the rear area security. So we'll have an MP company attached to us, um, and, and we'll also kind of you know deal with uh, anything related to the security of, of the rear area in terms of the brigade, in terms of uh, we also have UAVs and, and, and MI. Uh, an MI company assigned to us as well, which I'll get to in a moment. So anything related to the rear area security, that we kind of fill that hole. And we'll even have maneuver elements come back to the BEV to help out with that rear. And that rear area is constantly shifting and moving depending on the nature of the mission. So that's kind of number two. Um, number three is we are kind of the masters of integrators. So we have enablers that come from outside the brigade, depending on the nature of the mission again. But typically, you'll have military, uh, excuse me, you'll have uh, a chemical company, perhaps. You'll have military police. You'll have um, civil affairs, PSYOPs, sometimes special operations. And they'll all fall under the roof of the BEV. Because at the end of the day, we will, we'll balloon up to about, we're normally at about 500 on our books in terms of how many are assigned to the BEV. But we'll balloon up to about 1,000. And so what we'll do is we'll work very, very closely with brigade and brigade staff to build out a protection cell and really push, push those, uh, those respective enablers out to where they need to be based upon the brigade's analysis and, and our staff's, uh, I guess, guidance and advising around that. And so ultimately where, where they land is if they go under another element, we still need to dual report them. So when I say masters of integrators, that means we are constantly – integrating forces throughout the fight, we constantly need to dual track them both under the BEV and under the brigade. So it becomes very complex. And that, those are a lot of the learnings that we had at that, at that mission we did last last year. So those are kind of the three like, operational items that, that a BEV does. So one, it's the engineer. We have two engineer companies. Uh, two is that masters of integration. We have the, the, you know, the enablers that I was just discussing. We also in the BEV have a signal company, a military intelligence company, and a forward support company. So MI is very diverse. They have lots of different skill sets in there, everything from flying an unmanned aerial uh, aircraft to um, having embedded uh, embedded military intelligence subject matter experts out with infantry companies. And then we have a signal company, which is really the backbone of and the core of the communications for the brigade. So they, they will immediately go support the brigade as well. But again, they're, we're reporting them, we're training them, and once they're trained, we basically hand them off to the brigade and continually stay in touch with them. And lastly, the forward support company, they're constantly helping us with logistics in terms of distribution, uh, in terms of maintenance. I want to say distribution, truck drivers, right? In terms of maintenance, repairing vehicles, strikers go down just like other vehicles go down. We have to get them back into the fight. And then, and then lastly, um, uh, food preparation, food services, mobile kitchen trailers, things of that nature. So I just said a lot in a very short amount of time. But the is, as you can tell, it's very diverse, right? We have, we manage a lot. It's a, it's, a, it's a lot of breadth, but we got to have the depth there too. But really, when, it, when I roll it all up, what do we do operationally? It's really the, the, 
those three key those three key terms. And the last one I just was going to recap again was the rear area security, detaining holding operations, making sure MSRs are clear in the rear in the in the rear area. You know, ensuring their safety and security around everything we do in the rear area. And again, that's a living, breathing thing that constantly changes. So, so uh, that was a that was a little bit probably more depth you wanted to hear, but but I had to explain because, like I said, that the bed is very is very diverse, and and you need as a battalion staff, you need really good managers that can that can multitask and be able to, to execute and follow through and have the depth when they need it, but be able to manage the breadth of the operation. So, What type of engineer companies do you have? We have two engineer companies. Right. Are uh, they currently. like horizontal, and vertical construction, combat? They are, both, they are both combat engineer companies, okay. but they also, have, um, they, they also have a detachment or I would say a section that can also support construction. Okay. So... Um, we do have we do have some dozers. We have some uh, we have the ability to support fighting positions, big fighting positions, which we'll do in, in like I said, some of that rear area uh, operations uh, in terms of the security and force protection. We will our staff will our staff needs to be very analytical as well. They'll look at run rates and how how long it takes to dig a fighting position and multiply that out and, and go dig fighting positions for our, our brethren in the field artillery battalion. Uh, we'll help take fighting positions for the maneuver elements as well for their strikers. So we, we're we're constantly um, talking across laterally as well to left and right and up and down with brigade uh, to coordinate that. But really, they're uh, they're combat engineers at heart, and and so they're really about kind of mobility, which is the ability to support the you know the the maneuver on the battlefield for the brigade to allow the brigade's main effort to move through and close with and. Uh, close with and destroy the, the enemy and, and, and obtain the objective of the mission, but also uh, counter mobility. So if we're moving into a defense, we have the ability to uh, do like this, this uh, basically two trees knocked down called an abatee, for example, or put mines out, um, uh, scatterable mines. So we have that ability as well. And that's kind of the core of what we do in terms of our mission set, in terms of engineers. Awesome. So I guess first, uh, uh, Sergeant Major, the question I have for you is like, if we can go into maybe get some of the the details of what, you know, MOSs and job types that you have and what kind of core tasks do they do, if you would. Roger, yeah, we got, like uh, the Colonel was mentioning, you know, with our with our combat engineer companies, uh, basically composed of a lot of our, our sappers or our, uh, our engineers that are uh, well-adversed in a lot of the combat portion of it. Uh, the demolitions, the land navigation, uh, really the, that uh, leadership, uh, that combat leader that we need on the battlefield. Uh, 12 series is the engineer, but we've got our combat engineers. We've got some of the uh, construction engineers, uh, as the colonel mentioned, in our two uh, engineer companies uh, to include our, our signal company, which is our uniforms. Uh, the comms packages uh, that is really like the, the colonel had mentioned the the backbone for the brigade for their communications the the link between uh, the forward uh, the middle and the rear uh, everybody able to uh, talk back and forth and see where everybody is on the battlefield uh, to include our UAS guys that are that are able to to provide that forward uh, vision of the battlefield uh, it gives the commander uh, 
from his platform a real good uh, a view of what's going on so he can make a, a real good assessment. Uh, and then to include our mechanics and our, uh, our, our disc drill platoon uh, within our echo company, our FSC. Uh, so we really are the, the Swiss Army knife for the, <laughs> the brigade commander uh, as far as anything engineer uh, and that, that communications package. Uh, to include our headquarters, which, which uh, includes a lot of the operational knowledge, uh, the skill sets for off-order pr production, um, different items like that. Mm -hmm. Hey, Sergeant Major, and I'd be, I'd be remiss to mention our other company, which is, like you said, our headquarters, a headquarters company, which which also includes a Seaburn section and a medical section. So that Seaburn section is out there with, uh, out there in the very tip of the spear with the brigade and making sure that, you know, we're watching out for chemical detection on the battlefield as well. So there's a, there's another another little piece of the Swiss Army knife that, that the BEV Interesting. They should call you the maneuver support battalion. <laughs> it's like every maneuver support element is there. That's so cool. It really, it, it really is. If you think about what we do on, on, you know, what we do as individuals, you know, shoot, move, communicate. Yeah. We decontaminate. We regenerate, which is maintenance. And those, we have all those elements within our battle. Yeah, so, I think the Bub, uh, the, naming it the Bub, though, is a little bit like not giving it enough credit. It really should be like the Maneuver Support Battalion. I'm going to bring that up with the big army. Sounds <laughs> <laughs> good. I.O. campaign there. Yeah. No, we don't I.O. campaign. Um, <laughs> and we're moving on. <laughs> so I guess if you had to say, like, your visions of how this battalion grows in the future where does it go from here what is that what does that look like do you have any any ideas i can speak to that a little bit um a couple things i left out earlier you know when i was talking about i was you know a lieutenant during the initial striker transitions at at now what's called joint base lewis mccord there are there are several others that kind of came out of that era some that are still in the Washington Army National Guard. You have my predecessor uh, in the in the BEV, Lieutenant Colonel uh, Promotable Shane Slater. Um, you have Colonel Dan Bugby, and you just have a plethora of those that serve in striker brigades now throughout the Washington Army National Guard that bring their best practices. Um, even even uh, even my driver at XCTC was a was came from a striker brigade, and so. We have a lot of, there's a lot more striker brigades now, there's a lot more at JBLM. So there's a lot of really, really good experience in there. So the other thing I forgot to mention is, you know, I initially said that we were just a separate company or, or, or engineers was a separate company in, in the striker brigade early on in the early 2000s and it grew now to a battalion engineer uh, to a vet essentially. They're actually also talking about in the future to actually add another engineer company into the BEV. So they're, they're, still, they're still part of the, uh, I guess, strategic look at what a striker brigade should bring to the table. And they're talking about even growing the engineers even more. So speaking of growth, you're asking where do I see some of the vision and some of the, um, some of the growth for the 898 BEV is the number one priority right now, and, and you know, Brigadier General Dent will, to Colonel Sellers, you know, my boss and my boss 
outside of obviously we're in a, we're in a very interesting time with with the pandemic and uh, you know the various mission sets from you know COVID tracing, testing, uh, riot response, uh, food mission, you know, and also being standby on firefighting. We have a lot of missions and a lot of great things we're doing, but ultimately we want to take care of the soldier first, and that's kind of our strength. That's kind of our goal here at the Bev. So our number one goal at the Bev, and I have, I use this uh, this acronym that Sergeant Major knows really well. It's called RITA, and the number one priority right there is recruiting and retention. And so what does that mean? That means that all you know every company that I mentioned out of our six companies has a retention trained NCO who manages that essentially that initiative. And everyone's aware of retention. And we're talking to soldiers individually at the soldier level when they're coming up for their uh, ETS date. And so Sergeant Major and I have had countless meetings with soldiers that are in that window. We've had a lot of success in talking to them about what are their goals and objectives and align their goals and objectives with the organization's goals and objectives. I think that's gone a long way in kind of bringing that to the, to the forefront. Recruiting, everyone's a recruiter. You should know kind of what are the benefits of joining the National Guard. And that goes out to everyone in our battalion. We've had some goals around that and so, some mission letters throughout the, the past couple of years that I, when I was, since I've been in command, for us to try to partner a lot more with our recruiter and a recruiter assigned their battalion who's, who attends our training means they should be part of who we are as an organization. So that's kind of number one and continue to maintain growth. We have a brand new company. Uh, I remember I said we had two engineer companies. One of those companies is, is very, very new. And we, they basically were originally based in Oregon and they reorganized this, uh, the BEV to have the company based in Washington. So we started with zero. And we're already up to over a platoon size element, almost up to 40 soldiers assigned to that. And they're based in Vancouver, Washington. And again, this, this is our route. They have a route clearance platoon and they are, they are really another, another combat engineer company with a little bit uh, you know, differences in what they can offer than the other company, but, but very similar in terms of mobility and counter mobility and a little bit of survivability. So that, that's number one. And so recruiting, because we have a brand new company and retention because we want to retain our great soldiers. When a soldier leaves that's been in the, in the Army National Guard for less than 10 years, that's, that's, a lot, that's a big loss for us because they have so much, they have so, so much training and so much value they add in terms of growing the new soldiers that come in. And when that person leaves, we have a big hole. And it takes time and organization to fill that hole. Now, the Army is very much... Um, flexible and adaptable in everything we do and we all know that on this on this in this podcast meeting but ultimately we want to retain that and we don't want to continually be adapting and be flexible when we don't have to and we can continually drive the change in the right direction and have that continuity so the other, the other two of this rita is is integration so when i talked earlier the the bed needs to be master integrators because we have people coming in and out of the bed in terms of our mission set with the enablers I talked about earlier with PSYOPs and civil affairs and um, MPs and chemical companies and air defense artillery, you name it. Um, and so we need to understand how they integrate into the, into the fight, into the brigade. Also, we need to have our, you know, make sure our signal company commander is talking to the signal steps, uh, S6 for the brigade. 
Um, we are also making sure our, M our, our MI company commander, our military intelligence company commander, is talking to the S2 for the brigade, and making sure that we're, we're integrated up the chain, down the chain as well there. So that two, number two piece of integration, I think, is really, really, really important. Three is training. Our training, uh, you don't just be training for the sake of training. It needs, to have a, it needs to have a purpose in what you're trying to achieve. And we have a lot of say in that as leaders. So we spend a lot of time on calls making sure our training is, for us, another acronym to throw out, it derps. It's desirable. <laughs> so it, your training should be fun. It should be about the craft you learn when you join the Army. So desirable. It should be enjoyable. Honestly, it should be. Yes, it's going to be times where you're tired and you're hungry, but you're achieving something out there. And it's really related to your craft. And it's tied into the overall mission set, which is our, you know, realistic. So desirable, realistic. All the, the NCOs with that, with that ton of experience they have is going to help, you know, your, your up-and-coming soldiers and help guiding that brand-new platoon leader to, you know, to, to be a good leader from the front. Uh, physical. We should be physical. It should be physical as well because we're moving into a new phase of what the Army standard of fitness is with the Army Combat Fitness Test. So your training should be should have some sort of physicality to whether it's putting a rucksack on your back and moving from point A to point B, or you know carrying water jogs, just breaking a sweat and making sure that you know it's 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 tied into your training. And lastly, and most importantly, probably safety. Everyone. Is a safety officer. Everyone's heard that, but there should be a, a risk assessment that's been thoroughly reviewed uh, as well, and that should be part of. Those are kind of our tenets of training. The other last thing about training for the National Guard is you have to be a better player than active duty. You don't have the ability to make training up. You don't have the ability, you know. Oh, we missed it on Monday. We can do it Tuesday. No, you have a weekend, and those weekends are very precious time. And so you really gotta really gotta look at your time and make sure it's 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 being thought of and thought through, so it's it's with a sense of purpose. I mean, you don't, you're not, you're not, you're not, you're not, you never get the reps that you get on active duty either. So those reps that you have are very, very important. So that's kind of the, the T out of Rita, and and lastly, the A is administrative, and then also focus on the new ACFT. So our brigade is is, is very. As you could tell, just listen to me probably talking about the BEM and how diverse we are. The brigade in itself is, is, has a very high op tempo, and there's always a lot going on because it really is, it really is kind of the, uh, the MSC in the brigade that has kind of one centralized mission. It's the, it's the 81st Striker Brigade, and it's the biggest. And so because of that, we have a high op, a high op tempo. And because of the high op tempo, we're not really great sometimes at administrative portion of things. So just for example, making sure everyone has their dental records up to date, making sure medical records are up to date, uh, making sure we're staying on top of awards and, and evaluations. And those things are, are easy to dismiss, but they're very, very important for soldiers. And that's part of that soldier care back to the recruiting, back to the retention piece. And then the other thing is the Army, Army Combat Fitness Test, right? The six events now where you're, you know, you're, you're pulling a sled or you're doing deadlifts, you know, or, uh, or you know, you're, you're doing the hand-release push-ups. This is now, this is a new phase that we're in. We have, we have a lot of time now to transition to it, but that's kind of the other priority around, around the best. So those, those were kind of the, the, that RITA approach 
if you ask any company commander in the uh, in the BAP what the what the priorities are what the priorities are for the BAP, they're going to tell you Rita. And I think this Rita piece to bring it back to your original question, that's what's going to help set my successor up for success to take this battalion to the next level. This battalion is very very busy the next couple of years. We're sending a, uh, a platoon overseas next year and the following year. We're sending a platoon to NTC. Two platoons at NTC next year, um, the National Training Center in Fort Irwin, California. And we have other uh, overseas deployment training opportunities that we're doing. We're sending, uh, we're sending several soldiers to the Ukraine next year as well. So we, we have a lot going on in, this, in, in the BEV. And if we can stick, you know, keep our priorities around RITA, we'll be able to be successful, continually grow, have good goals around what we do. And ultimately, like I said, ultimately set, set my success for success, so we're constantly improving. I believe I took the BEV to another level, but I, I really want my success to take to the next level as well. And so uh, one of those for sure is, is growing that, that other company I was refer, referring to earlier, the Bravo company out of Vancouver, and bringing them, growing them to a full-blown engineer company. That's going to be really important for us as we move forward. If you need any uh, public affairs support on any of these ODTs, yes. let, let, you know who to talk to. We've got people. <laughs> we, we know people. Some yeah. people. No, absolutely. And uh, Joseph uh, Simondal, been in touch with him quite a bit. Uh, and, and yeah, we, we'd love to have, we'd love to have, we don't do enough of that. That's, you know, that's a really good point. We'd love to do some more uh, public affairs around what we do. Yep, uh, and now we've got it. Verbal contract. It really gets the word out there around what about does, and 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 I think that there's a lot of because we're so diverse. There's 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 some confusion maybe out there around what we do and and what value add we bring to the brigade and to the state. So uh, you also mentioned earlier around engineers. There, there's a there's an engineer there's a vertical engineer company that's based in Snohomish. And they're in another they're in another brigade, and I think the more crosstalk we have with them as well is important for engineers because we have the ability then to kind of crosstalk and cross level um, engineers. There's a, there's an MI battalion as well, 341st MI battalion of the 56 IO, and we have an MI company having that crosstalk as well. I think it's really important, and that's where I, I think our senior leaders like Colonel Sellers and Brigadier General Dent really really help uh, really help us kind of fill those gaps because I think that's really important for the brigade and the National Guard as a whole for Washington State. For sure. Yeah, I had the uh, I had the awesome opportunity to, to go out to Yakima a couple of years ago and, and, and blow some stuff up with the engineers out there. That was pretty fun. We were supposed to, I think, sometime earlier this year go do a volcano and that got like canceled last minute. Big bummer. Big bummer, but yeah, um, Sergeant Major. You, the, the invitation is always out there for you, and for anyone honestly that listens to this podcast, we'll, we'll get you our we'll get you our training schedule. Perfect. And we're, we're more than welcome to have guests out there. We love having guests out there to to take a look at our training. Jason and, and I uh, just like to blow stuff yep. up yep. and watch it blow yeah. up. <laughs> our engineers love to blow stuff up. Build something and blow it up. That's kind of what we like to do. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Um, Sergeant Major, what missions have your soldiers been on during this incredible 
pandemic roller coaster. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that's very good. Uh, so we've got our 898 soldiers pretty much in every uh, every opportunity to do the food banks, uh, the contact mapping, um, test kits, uh, testing sites. Um, out of the six, well, now we're down to five, but our six task force, I think we've got uh, eight, nine, eight soldiers in pretty much every every task force out there currently. Because uh, you guys are a little bit another. geographically dispersed, right? As far as the JTF goes, we've got uh, across the state. Uh, we're starting to throttle it back a little bit, um, but uh, the ride's not over yet. Um, things are still looking to, to ramp up again. Um, we're still kind of in a, a situation right now where we're looking at the Title 32 versus the state active duty. Uh, which could be a, a lot of thrash, but we're trying to uh, streamline it as much as we can to prevent a lot of uh, turmoil for our soldiers as they come on. That's that's the biggest piece. During this pandemic, uh, a positive side, we were able to provide a lot of jobs for our soldiers and airmen right. uh, that might have been furloughed or laid off for any other reason. Right. Uh, so that's been extremely beneficial, but uh, on top of that, there's been a lot of... Uh, uncertainty uh, as we go down through this uh, we've never executed on this size or this platform ever before um, to include our MACTUS uh, being being throttled up and deployed down to Seattle um, is it's definitely a, a summer for the guard for sure for sure yeah and have you had a lot of positive feedback from your folks that have been able to go out and help the community pretty much every uh, service member that I've spoke with uh, they've enjoyed the opportunity to be down there. When we first started the uh, pandemic response, we'll say is we tried to attack it as uh, trying to get our service members within their 50 mile of their home of record uh, so that they're actually in the community that they live in. Uh, you take the Cedar Woolley or the Snohomish area, we've got a couple food banks up there that are, that are thriving and they're doing very well because the uh, service members that are there live in that area. Uh, to see them interact with the food bank managers, the full-time staff there is, uh, it's pretty awesome to see that because they're, they talk about the, the hometown parade or the whatever's going on in that community, they're very aware of and they know what's going on and the importance of it. And to be able to provide for their county, their community, their people uh, has been very huge. Um, there's been a little bit of turmoil to get them out there and to get them deployed uh, to the surrounding areas. Uh, but once they're there and once our soldiers get employed, uh, they do great stuff. And every mission to include, uh, every mission, we've doubled our output, sometimes tripled our output, where uh, a food bank had to operate with 20 uh, volunteers. We're able to send 10 service members there and quadruple the output. So Yeah, uh, the efficiency reports back from the food banks have is been... Huge massive yep. for mm -hmm. sure which has been kind of double-edged as we right they, they don't want to lose you normalcy. yeah <laughs> uh they don't they won't lose us they want to keep a, that efficient horsepower yes. horsepower yeah for sure mm. you, you bring up a interesting point about soldiers uh working in the community and sir you brought up the the 176 engineers the the other vert or yeah vertical yeah, uh, construction vertical. company that faces the homish for um, those who don't know that means they build buildings yes because <laughs> it goes it goes up 
as opposed to horizontal. Electricians, yep. Because uh, a couple years ago, they got called out to the fires to this community up in northeastern Washington, really small community. Um, but that was the seed of what they're doing for annual training in the next couple of weeks, which is pretty cool, is they are going to go back to that community and construct or help restore a building that, they're, um, that the, the town wanted to um, use as their town museum, the community center, that kind of thing. So that's, uh, that's kind of cool how the guard, you know, makes these contacts in these small communities and then good things, you know, come of it. And they're legally able, because I know in the reserve I've worked with engineer units before, and they mm. don't have the same legal uh, abilities to construct and help communities the way that guard does. And I think that's a super unique to the guard mm -hmm. mission. And what kind of? So uh, what? You, you bring up a you bring up a very very good point, uh, Jason. Also, we don't. A lot of times when we're called up. We're not we're not using the the skills and abilities and capabilities of. Of what the guard can do, honestly, like in terms of, uh, you know, when there's a flood response, we're we're more there to just augment, you know, traffic control points for the most part. I mean, obviously there, there's some cases where we're using our, our assets and resources, but it is always great to see when we're able to use our assets and resources to support the mission. Uh, and you know, one example when I was company commander, uh, the by the way, the uh, should mention the AO the the administrative officer for the BEB, Mike Portano also is the executive officer for the battalion. He was well, he was one of the platoon leaders that helped spearhead a mission in central Washington in Rimrock. We had to go through the old harmless and all the administrative red tape to do this mission, but ultimately uh, we we did a mission in central Washington Rimrock. We, we basically built a rock crawl out in the middle of nowhere so that local communities could go, you know, test out their jeeps and off-road vehicles on us versus versus taking their vehicles off-road into the meadows and ruining the meadows. So it ultimately had a had a really had a really uh, good environmental impact for them. We also cleared roads and used our graders and scrapers to kind of build out trails where the U.S. Forest Service said we could. So. I, we love doing that mission. When we get to really get through the red tape and get the get the guard out there doing those missions, it's great for morale. It's it's a win win all around for for the end user and the customer as well. So, uh, yeah, I, I got a great, very good point. And and sorry, Major and I both have experience in, in, in almost every facet of, of what engineers can can do and provide. By the way, we forgot one earlier. We also have engineer scuba divers. So we have salvage divers. So really? we, we do a lot. So then why did JBLM sell our Navy salvage divers just help this Puget Sound do stuff? You guys should have been all over that. Well, I guess they're probably busy helping with COVID stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that's a pretty cool mission. That is set. cool. I never knew that. Oh my my favorite is the bridge erection boats. They're super fun to drive. And also I've seen them in action in the, in the real world when I was deployed and know how important they are. So when I got the time to sit down with some 12 charlies and learn about why boats are better than blowing things up <laughs> which i was like i don't know um that was super fun i love engineers they're always a good it's always yeah. a good time jason was an engineer when yeah. he first got in yeah i was a 12 bravo for seven years excellent yeah i was stationed uh, 
Colorado and Germany and Fort Lewis. Did, did, did I mention we have a new company down in Vancouver? <laughs> <laughs> that I left that. That oh my gosh, that's like. What is Over that? That's um, Brath- Colonel Brathout has keeps trying to <laughs> recruit Jason yeah. to come back to be <laughs> an engineer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely I haven't, I haven't done engineer stuff in ten years, over ten years. So it's like riding a bike. <laughs> <laughs> I remember how to. Yep. Do that. Exactly. <laughs> <got it> down. <laughs> I, I guess the one thing the floating bridge platoons have on the rest is if uh, they're probably not supposed to, but I've heard of them water skiing previously. So, uh, behind their boats. Probably so, not to do that, but they got some cool things they can do with those boats. I mean, uh, if you get, if you got enough space, you can get it going pretty good. <laughs> I heard. I mean, no experience. The a rapidly employable bridge system. Yep. Um, for, fortunately, it deploys rapidly, but it doesn't, you know, redeploy rapidly. Stays. So, we're, uh, they're, they're refitting the, active duty and the and the national guard with more improved systems to come out so we, we do have some bridge some bridging capabilities in our in the web. it when i was deployed we did they did lots of irbs um because isis blew up all the bridges or the bridges were blown up as as a byproduct of something else and and they needed lots of floating bridges oh i see yeah yeah we we have the uh the 455 uh, MAC out of Idaho, which is a reserve unit that was supporting us in place of the Bravo Company. That's okay. A little lot of detail there for you, but ultimately they, they are a kind of a, a heavy combat engineer company and they have they have AVLBs. The AVLB is okay. the, the armored vehicle launch bridge. That one yep. deploys and redeploys very well. And it's uh, it's basically mounted on the vehicle. Versus the, the revs, you have to kind of yeah. dismount off of the trailer. And so it just takes a lot. The AVLB is, is definitely, a, 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 in my opinion, a, a very good asset to have out there. For sure. sure. I used to drive one of those. Mm-hmm. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. I got to go I in one of the. In one of those I got to go in one of the route clearance buffaloes when they were like the brand new model, like the first edition with AC. Yeah. And we were like, this is awesome. Like, that's the that's the bar, though, for, like, Army equipment. We're like, this vehicle mm-hmm. has yeah, that's AC. That's Bravo company has. And that's they the most the exciting yeah. thing ever. Do they have Huskies, too? That's yep. what you attach yep. to the back. Yeah, they clearance yes. packages. Yep. Okay. Yep. See, we, uh, are you surprised how much I know? Whereas the ALF company out of out of Yakima has, they have Dozer, Grader, Scraper. Okay. Or Dozer, Grader, sorry, the... The, the Hemi and the, and, the, and the dump trucks. So they have more of that you were referring to earlier, the, the kind of the horizontal right. earth section. Yeah, the earth movers. Yeah, I was just going to ask, is the ACE still a thing? Yeah. Or, or not anymore? Or is it long the gone? The ACE is still a thing, yes. Uh, <laughs> I think we actually do have a couple ACEs in our uh, Bravo company, if I remember correctly. What is it? Uh, ACE is an armored combat earth mover. Oh, And fancy. it's basically like a track... Yeah, and it's got a, a. It's aluminum bulldozer, so yeah. it's, it was made <laughs> to be lightweight amazing. and still run with. Yeah. You know the Bradley. But it can also M1s. pick up dirt. Okay. And fill the bucket bowl or well, whatever. It's aluminum, so it doesn't yeah. have a lot of the weight as a normal dozer would right. have to push. So yeah. it has a ballast in the front that it it picks the dirt up or scoops the dirt up for its weight. Okay. Uh, and then can bulldoze uh, and push dirt like a normal bulldozer would. Okay. But then in the event of a an egress or when it was time to go home for the day you empty the ballast in the front yeah. and drive it home it's 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 it works uh, 
It's kind of temperamental, though. Okay. Yeah. Hydraulic yeah, nightmare. The, uh, the four or five <laughs> back, we use their ace for kind of proofing lanes after we after we breached. They okay. were they were useful for some of that for some of that, but yeah, they they have some maintenance issues sometimes as well. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. awesome. So yeah, you were asking earlier about just this equipment. Our Alpha company has eight engineer striker vehicles. So the engineer striker vehicle makes it different is from a regular, I guess, infantry. Uh, the infantry uh, variant is we have the ability to put, you know, a plower, uh, a plow on front and rollers to proof lanes after we breach. We also have these, a lane a LMS lane marking system, so it automatically will drop. Um, We'll, we'll drop uh, essentially poles into the ground, hems poles into the ground in order to mark a lane if, uh, after it's after it's been breached. So there, there's just some capabilities on there. We also they also can tow a Miklik, the mine okay. clearing line charge. Yeah. So there's a lot going on with the engineer the engineer variant of the striker of the uh, yeah the striker variant. So. Awesome. Everybody gets their own fancy striker. Yeah. Very. Yeah, even our yeah. even our Seabird NBC, section has yes. a very a very uh, I guess uh, a functional striker that has some very expensive parts on it as well, just for their chemical detection. Oh, I'm sure. And then it, yeah, we also have the medical one and the med section as well. So. Great. Well, I don't yeah. think <laughs> I have any more questions. This has been awesome. I love talking about engineer stuff because it's like they're so diverse. They're so diverse, and it's like one of the only things I actually know a little bit about because yeah. I spend so much time with them. Yes. So, uh, but we appreciate uh, you spending your time talking to us, and uh, yeah, yeah. Thank you very much. Well, we we appreciate you setting us up, and uh, you just met. You are more than welcome to join us any any time. We'll get you a copy of our our training <laughs> calendar, and if you see anything out of the picture interest, definitely let us know. Yeah, we know we'll, to go we'll to be there. Obviously, yeah. we are. Like Sergeant Major was saying, he's got to figure out the pulse of soldiers on orders supporting all the various COVID missions right now. So I'm sure we've um, talked to we some of those. We kind of be back to, to train as a, as kind of engineers and signal and MI starting this uh, this fall a little bit more. Awesome. Also, want to leave you with uh, with our our motto is first in the battle, and also and that's for a variety of reasons why we're first in the battle because you can see how diverse we are and what we what support we provide. And then our call sign is Dauntless. So we, I, the Dauntless one stuck with me because I could have changed it when I came into command, but I really like it. It's really, you know, it means courageous. And so I'm Dauntless 6, and, uh, and there in the room with you is Dauntless 7. So hmm. I wanted to leave you with that as well. Great. Nice. Well, that's it. Thank you very much.